With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And Mike, much as I loved Super Wildcard Weekend, I'm kind of disappointed here on Monday morning because I'm looking at you and it's always great to see you, but the little tag on your Zoom handle just says Mike Carlson. What happened to the fun time? <laughs> well, basically what happened was we started so quickly, I didn't have a chance to rename it. But you keep talking and uh, go. he's going to type in the fun time because it's what the fans demand. The fun time I and my fun show, fun oh, show, fun show. My bad. That's the fun, fun show, show Carlson. Important distinction. Hey, you, you fun everything for as far as I'm concerned. Hey, here's the question. There you, you go. Your, are you happy? Are you happy now? Because this is super wild card weekend and I'm not wild, Mike. I'm super iron, Mike. This weekend, <laughs> fun time, super iron. Listen, the New York Giants glass half full, glass <laughs> half empty because here they are swaggering into the divisional round. Iron Mike, but now they've got to pay Danny Dimes. The man's <laughs> got to be paid after that. Well, that that's a question, um, but yes, uh, I think is it, you're though, right. is it a question? I mean, surely that. Well, the question is how we how they're going to pay him. You know, do they franchise? Do they do they franchise him for a year? Do do they give him a long term deal? Do they try to give him a short term deal? His bargaining power is probably at its highest now, unless he has a really bad game against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, you can say same old. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, to me, the really the really fascinating thing here is is. You could argue this was his best game of the season, and it was a question of game planning. And his whole performance this season has been a question of game planning and coaching, um, which just just goes to show you how how important that is and how overlooked it is in a lot of uh, in a lot of programs in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I want to sound like you know like an on air guy. Kind you of pulled it off. You definitely it's pulled it off. Um, the Brian Dayball came in and Jones was an inaccurate deep thrower, especially under pressure. And he had a tendency to fumble as well under pressure, not see where the rush was coming from. Similar, not identical, but similar to Josh Allen's situation when they when the Bills drafted Allen. And he was an inaccurate thrower, strong arm, inaccurate thrower. And what did Dable do? Well, he made he made the passing game more understandable to him. Um, the reads would, would be, you know, where he, where he would follow. He moved him a bit to try to make the pocket easier for him. And he let him run. Mm-hmm. Um, and they discovered that Allen who running wasn't a big part of his game in Wyoming, um, you know, was a really, really good runner and Jones the same. And, um, in, in at Duke Jones was kind of running for his life most of the time in the ACC, but, <laughs> but at, you know, you, it's not an identical situation, but it's an identical way of treat of treating the two quarterbacks, you mm. know, and Daniel Jones with another coach on another team would probably still be more like the Daniel Jones of the um, his second through, you know, as a rookie, he was given a lot of leeway being a rookie, mm-hmm. but, and he was impressive, but he never really improved on that under the last, the last regimes. Now, partly too, he has Saquon, 
healthy for a full season for the first time in four years. So that mm. that actually makes a huge difference to him, too. But look at his receiving core. And, you know, who had the big game? Isaiah Hodgkins. Where did mm-hmm. they get Isaiah Hodgkins from? Buffalo. When he couldn't crack the, the Buffalo rotation, uh, Dayball brought him down. It, it, a lot of that is down to coaching. And it mm. just reinforces my point of coach there. And I know he's not the mm. defensive coach. This is a long answer to a simple question, but <laughs> that's my, my that's my game. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's Leslie Frazier's the defensive coordinator, mm. but that was a, that was a Bill Belichick style game plan. And Dayball comes from that Belichick, Belichick tree. Mm. What did, what, what did they, um, what did they do? They took away Justin Jefferson as much as possible. They really concentrated on it. They built their defense to be st- relatively strong up front so they you know so they gave up some running to to um to cook madison didn't play as much as you you might have thought um but they took away jefferson and they dared um kirk cousins to beat them with with Thielen and hawkinson you mm. know and i just thought the last play of the game for minnesota was indicative of that you know yeah cousins fourth and eight and, and he goes in and he winds up throwing I mean, he's under pressure, Hawkinson, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But he throws to to for three yards to Hawkinson, mm-hmm. you know. And Hawkinson, you know, you can't really ask a guy to beat, you know, at least one tackler. But but pick up let's the say he beat the first six, tackler, yeah. he still got five more right. yards yeah, to go yeah, before yeah. he, you know. You know, so, on that, yeah. it, 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 so so much to unpick there. The, the game plan, seeing as we've ended on that with Hawkinson, kind of made sense because going into the game, the Giants were 31st out of 32 in pass defense, in DVOA pass D against tight ends. So that kind of makes sense why they used Hawkinson front and center there. And it's a great point you make about the Belichickian taking out the number one guy, beat us with with everybody else, because they absolutely nailed that that part of the game plan, even though Hawkinson had another big game, right? The, yeah. um the point on Dayball and, and and Daniel Jones, it's 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 a brilliant comparison and and, and really clearly mapped out, and rightly so. Dayball is getting credit for this season and what he's managed to achieve with this group of players. Daniel Jones too should get that right because you look at Buffalo, and I know it was a graduated development with with Josh Allen, but one of the key parts of that improvement in that development was the addition of someone like Stefan Diggs. You look at this receiving yeah. board that that Jones has got to play with. It, they great. are all stepping up. Great point. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that speaks, ooh, it speaks to confidence mm. um, in the, in, in the system. And, and, you know, when you look at the throws and, and you look at what Buffalo themselves did, and I don't want to get a, get ahead of it, but, you know, you look at the play calling for Buffalo and there mm. were so many deep shots at a point where they didn't need to be taking deep shots, you know, and, and they, they in were the almost game. Buffalo in the Miami game and yeah. they were almost working, but, but mm. not quite, but you know, it requires a lot, you know, you have to throw the ball really well. Your, def- your receiver has to make a great play because generally on a deep ball, there's time for the defender to get there and start slapping your arms and hitting your head and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, but you know, most of them were pretty much easy, easy, Routes to run, you know, and, mm-hmm. and if you know if you know you run the route and the ball's going to get there, you make the key. You think of uh, that the drop was horrible, you mm-hmm. know, um, but that was really the only the only one. And it, it and yeah, you're right. The receivers stepping up. I think they'll probably go for a receiver at some point mm-hmm. in the draft. But there, you know, there's lots of them about. If you get, you just have to guess right, and and you have to think about what fits what fits your system, um, and. The more, the more options you have, the easier things get 
And I think they they understand that defend, uh, offensively and defensively. You know, again, um, I, I I just think the the integration of Leslie Frazier into you know that system and and the job that he's done with them has been really good. And you mm. know he's he's had some interviews or he will have some interviews for head coaching jobs. He's been a head coach you know, once, yeah. and and uh, I think he's he's got to be in the mix there. I think he's the yeah, of one hundred percent, and also I think not for nothing, but watching him on the sidelines yesterday with that kind of slightly off kilter look that he had in terms of what he was wearing. I mean, he's up there with top five with Tomlin, um, <laughs> Joe Burrow, coolest men in the NFL. I mean, Frazier now he, he's, he's top five. Just the bad. Yeah, I was, looks like it's funny because I was thinking that Dayball is up there with Matt Patricia, Andy Reid. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that as well. I was trying to come up with this kind of thing. I was looking. I was looking around to see if there were many more inflated. Belichick assistance or ex ex assistance, <laughs> but I couldn't. But the you know, one, but you know, Eric Bieniemy is probably in that mix. Um, there's a couple of other guys around <laughs> around the league. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think I think I think that it's where I think there's going to be some move movement from uh, from the Giants, and I and I still think Dayball is going to be coach of the year. Um, let's look. Uh, Why don't we go to Buffalo? Can well, I just want to look ahead to before we get to Buffalo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Look ahead to the Giants Eagles matchup. The because the early Vegas lines have opened and the Giants are seven and a half point dogs in that game. About fair? About right? About fair. Um you know, the Giants Vikings was a mix of two teams that basically kept games close. <laughs> and Minnesota had won all, you know, all eleven of those one score games. And mm. and the Giants were eight, four, and one. So now they're nine, four, and one in, in those in those one score games. So I, I think the Giants can keep have a good shot at keeping it to one score. It's hard to tell based on Philadelphia's last game how Jalen Hurts is going to come out. You know, we talked about it last week. Was he being held back? You know, they they kept everything vanilla. They didn't they didn't want to risk him too much. You know, or is he still hurt a bit? I think he is. Um, I, I, yeah, and that that, think... that to me is the is the thing. I would wait on this game. You know, to kind of mm. see how how that that develops. But I I think seven and a half. It, you know, more than a touchdown is going to encourage people to bet the Giants. I think because I think the the feeling will be kind of like Miami Buffalo. They know yeah. the team pretty well, and they might they should be able to keep it close. Okay, so let's get to Miami Buffalo. Did it surprise you? Given most people weren't giving the Finns a cat's chance in hell, of course, with a third string quarterback. No Raheem Mostert, banged up on the offensive line, banged up in certain key places defensively as well. They were 14-point dogs. That's how how the line opened when the game kicked off. And no one thought they'd come close to covering, let alone almost winning the game. But were you not surprised, Mike, given that familiarity and given the fact that Mike McDaniel, I guess, was playing with house money and, and just thought... And, and look, obviously, offensively, they had... Somebody told him he was playing with house money in the fourth quarter and he just went he just went insane. I yeah. I, I don't know. Well, let's, I mean, let's start with that. Let's start with Yeah, I mean Buffalo is Doctor Buffalo is Dr. Jekyll and Micah Hyde. You know, <laughs> it's it's like it's like um they just took their foot off the pedal completely. Like you know, and like I said, the, all those long, all those deep shots they were taking, I mean, they were there to be taken more or less, you know, but it, it requires a lot to, to make that work. And, um, but like and, the meltdown, and, the McDaniel meltdown, because he's seeing as you brought oh, up, right? So this yeah. was fourth and in inches. 
well, well it, it was the whole it was the whole fourth quarter you know mm-hmm. they they couldn't get plays in quickly enough i and what i during that's the game they got a third string quarterback right I well mean, during the game i said maybe mcdaniel's giving him lectures you know yeah. classroom lectures on every time he's telling him which play to call <laughs> but but it's also the it's also the bench on that last one the fourth and one yeah right and the referees were bending over backwards to try to not give them delay of game penalties. There were about yeah. four in that game that they should have called. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even on that last one, they waited to call. They let the play go and then they called it. And, you know, it was as if they were waiting to see whether the Dolphins were going to get a first down or not. And if yeah. they did, we won't call it. Okay, but they didn't. <laughs> so we'll call it. Um, but but he sent in two. He subbed in two guys with 10 seconds on the on the. Well, you know what? You, it's, it's the reason he gave for this afterwards with throwing his assistant coaches told him something they thought they got the first down is what he said they thought they got the first down so the you know what who's closer to the marker who's closer to the first down marker well he said he was standing next to the official when he was giving. yes i I mean you know i i don't buy it you know and and i i I hate when when you start throwing but but this isn't this indicative and and logical it's a first year head coach a third string quarterback first year head coach are we surprised that this happened not really. I mean, no, I am surprised. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, did it happen in San Francisco with Brock Purdy? And, you know, yeah, I mean, not Shanahan's a not, a, not a first year head coach, admittedly. But but, you know, McDaniel's been in the league for a long time. He's mm. he's been an assistant for a he's, long time. He's twenty three years old, so <laughs> well, he's sixteen. You know, yeah, yeah. He went to Yale when he was eight, um, <laughs> and they're talking about him at Yale and you know, so, stuff like that. It's like bula bula. Um, so yeah, I, I just thought that was that was pretty much inexcusable. Not the most inexcusable coaching job of the weekend, but you know, um, we'll, get and to, I thought, we'll get to the judges in a minute. But yeah, well, and I thought you know. Um, the bills were in a sense in a sense lucky um i you know i i'm not going to go off on the referees anymore no. you know because that was probably the worst refereed weekend i can remember although it tends to be like every weekend is the worst referee but for a playoff for a playoff set, there there was a lot i mean saturday night was the internet was just filled with mm-hmm. with people um you know com- complaining about it. and i look at myself as a fairly much neutral you know, so it's not like I it's not like I think one team I want one team because whenever people look at a penalty, they see it two way. You know, it, mm. they see what they want to see, basically. Um, but just but just objectively, you could ju- you could see that there was no consistency. Um, the Dolphins had a guy take his helmet off celebrating the touchdown in the end zone with no flag. And then, of course, Joey Bosa takes his helmet off literally 18 inches from the sideline mm-hmm. and they flag they flag him for it. Now, he was being a jerk, <laughs> but he had legitimate. Well, uh, let's let's do that. We'll do that. One the thing that impressed me the most about Buffalo was that they got a big play from Dean Marlowe. And mm-hmm. for those who read my column back at midseason when the trade deadline came and free agent day, they signed Dean Marlowe off the Atlanta practice squad. He was a guy who played for Buffalo and, you know, was coming back to the system. And I said, this is one of the best pickups of the weekend. Nobody noticed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they waited until the playoffs for Dean Marlowe to make, but now they need him. You know, this is, that's why he was there. They're, they're shorthanded in the secondary. They needed him. And, and, um, did you, Mike, in your column, get Amala Stanfield reference in? I hope you did then. And if you don't, please do it. <laughs> yeah. Different Marlowe, unfortunately. But yeah, you know, Marlowe spelled his name M-A-R-L-O. <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. yeah, not like Philip Marlowe. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I was pretty good on this weekend in the column. Um, if you say so yourself. 
Yeah, if I say so myself. But I was I was looking at at things like you know in, in Jacksonville Chargers. They said watch the tight ends because it mm-hmm. looks to me like the you know the way the defenses are going to play tight ends are going to be a big factor, and, and they cert- they certainly were. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's little, little little things like that that you know, I said Logan Wilson would be a big factor in the game, but I was thinking in terms of pass coverage, not in terms of volleyball at the, <laughs> at the goal, at the goal line, but I'll take the spike at the goal line, you know, cause it, cause it worked, you know, um, I'm just crowing a little bit, but you know, that, hey, Mike, I thought Miami, I thought Miami played really well. Um, you know, they, they did, they did as much as they could basically um, to, to stay in that game and Buffalo helped them stay in that game. I think, and I, like I said, I, I, I so question that, some of that. Dorsey's play play calling and Buffalo allowing them to stay in. I, I want to drill down as to why you think this is happening. You look at the numbers. There's only two teams in the regular season that turned over the ball more than Buffalo, and that was the Texans and the Colts. Here's my hot take. Yeah. Not great sides. <laughs> so why is a team that is so well coached that is got such a clear sense of identity offensively? Why is it being so ill-disciplined with the ball? I I would well, it's it's facile, but I'd put it down to the idea. Like <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd put it down to the idea that the offense has morphed a little bit into the Josh Allen show, mm-hmm. and therefore players are kind of waiting for Josh Allen to make plays, and he's he's stretching things to the last minute, you know, and for making throws that are kind of on the edge because he thinks he can make. It's kind of the Brett Favre syndrome, right? Um, and you know, and and that's and that that invites. I think it invites turnovers. Now, what saves Buffalo is that they also were very high in the takeaway list. So I think I think it it I think it actually neutered out. I think it was zero on the takeaway Bridge. giveaway. Okay, which, which is I mean not great. Winning teams are usually plus on that, but but it's not horrible. Um, you know, so I think what was going into the game was twenty seven of each. I think twenty seven giveaways and twenty seven takeaways. So you know they sort of can live with that, but it's a really dangerous dangerous um, tightrope to walk. I don't think that's fast on at all. It's a great point. It's a really interesting point that I hadn't considered. And uh, and it does stack up. You think about um, Miami's opportunities here, and obviously defense creating opportunities consistently for them to, to get back in the game. There were a number of drop passes, weren't there? Waddle was pretty much a non-factor the whole game. Uh, they, yeah, they had three three big plays that, you know, could have could have gone and and – well, four actually, because one of them, the the waddle, the last waddle miss was a good defensive play. Um, the guy got his hand in him, you know, knocked the ball out. But but they had three drops basically that that could have cha- changed the game around. And and in fairness, the Allen's interceptions, the first two were more more or less drops. Um, one I thought was a pretty blatant interference, but. You know, we mm-hmm. were the announcers aren't allowed to kind of say that unless it's really blatant. And and on on yesterday, Mike Pereira was going crazy trying to excuse everything that the um, that the officials did until he, they finally reached the point where even he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't do it. Yeah, I guess that's a whole. Oh, it was a holding. It was a pretty blatant holding. It was, a, uh, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, I guess I, I guess it is a holding." But you know, there's only two officials back there, and there's five linemen they have to watch. As in, for most of the history of the NFL, there was only one official back there watching that, you know, because the umpire was on the other side of the ball and he was watching for holding on run plays, not pass plays. So, you know, I just thought, come on, Mike. Come on, Mike. Did you notice about, I guess it would have been 
a third of the way through the game. Certainly when Miami started getting back into it, they because they kept cutting to McDaniel, of course, on the sideline. He was wearing those shades with the with the fins winter bobble. And then he, he flipped the shades and the, he was just wearing standard glasses then. It was, it was almost as if he thought, I'm just going to go down in style. And then suddenly, yeah. thought, oh, shit, we're in a game here. <laughs> I'm going to get. The yeah, game. He, I mean, you know, he, he should really he should really kind of wear a bow tie and get 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 horn rim, uh, not horn, um, wire rims like me and, you know, go as the professor. professor you know? like I'm the, wear a Yale sweatshirt underneath his thing. <laughs> it's just a big Y on the front, you know. <laughs> Okay. Let's why, talk- why, 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 Mark? Let's talk about, you mentioned some uh, other interesting coaching performances this weekend, and clearly you're talking about Staley. And- ah, pro football focuses, best coach in the NFL. <laughs> That's Number the one. Yeah. That's the guy. Where does this meltdown rank, Mike, in terms of all time? I mean, it's so charges. And I'm sorry, well, I know there are a lot of charges fans out there that listen to the show. I hope you can appreciate the... They appreciate the situation that's happened again. I mean, this is, it was an extraordinary capitulation, wasn't it? Strangely enough, yeah, it's the third worst in the playoffs. Wow. And it's like the fifth worst of all time, I think. Um, Yeah, yeah, Buffalo coming back against Houston, the Frank Wright game. Yeah, was th- they were down by 32, 35-3 in the third quarter. And Indy, um, Andrew Luck, when they came back against the Chiefs, they were down 38-10 in the third quarter, and they came back to win that. So this is third, just ahead of the Patriots, 28-3, obviously, in in Atlanta. The turnover um, differential is the key thing, right? So it was, a, it was was it five with the turnover differential? Yeah, it's just, there was an interesting thing that the guy called Scott Kaxmer put up, um, who's pretty good, except that he's... Um, a virulent anti-Brady guy. So a, everything that he tweets, including when he reviews movies and stuff, you know, is is like winds up being, you know, this is why Tom Brady's the luckiest of all time. Um, oh, I thought he was but, anti-Greg Brady for a minute. But, but yeah, um, but there were, before Trevor Lawrence, there were four, there were four quarterbacks who had won a playoff game throwing four picks or more. Bobby Lane. Mm-hmm. Doesn't surprise anybody. A friend of mine actually guessed that. Pete Clark, my college teammate. George Blanda, shouldn't surprise surprise anyone. Joe Ferguson of the Bills, probably not a much of a surprise. And Russell Wilson. Um, no, so so, but in the, all four cases, the opposition turned the ball over as well. Right. Lawrence had Lawrence had four in, interceptions and there were no turnovers on the, uh, the other by the other team. So, and, and then they had the fumble as well. So that's five zero. And for for you to lose a playoff game when the opponents give you the ball five times is is insane, you know. And um I I think back to Shanahan in the Atlanta game, and I went back and checked. So in the second half, the Chargers ran the ball seven times for seven yards. I mean yeah, and the, the first two rushes of the half kind of, but they won good drive. They ran the ball five, um, five times and then a sack killed that drive and they had to settle for a field goal, which they missed, which was one of the key plays of the game. Because, um, you know, anything at that point is going to make the game incredibly difficult for Jacksonville to catch up. They threw 22 times plus the two sack, two sacks. So they tried to pass 24 times, so more than three to one with runs. Nine of those were incomplete. Okay. The nine incompletions are worth four and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you milk it, you know, which Brandon Staley might not milk it given the way he was coaching. You know, they might rush her up to the line or something like that. But if you take four minutes off that off that second half, there's no way. There's no way you lose that game. 
You know, it, just run the ball. I mean, it, this is what Atlanta did in that game. They just wouldn't run the ball. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not getting, even if you punt it away, the, the clock is your is in your favor right, there. Yeah, you're sure. you're playing, you know, and and he just, just didn't seem to consider that, you know. Look at that. I mean, the holes on both sides, the, the second half, they had four drives, offensive drives in total in the second half. They missed a 40 yarder. It should be routine. When they could have closed the game, the clutch time, they went three and out, of course, which then opened the door for Jacksonville, but defensively as well. I mean, for all the criticism of, of the offense and and how little it managed to produce in the second half, obviously defensively, didn't get a single stop on any of the Jags. No. Half drives. And penalties. Flying, and, flying. You know, you, you can you can understand why Bosa was frustrated because yeah. and, um, and it's two reasons. One is holds, which they just weren't going to call. Mm-hmm. Um and the other one was um, false starts, which all weekend there was a lot of that. You know, Andrew Thomas with the Giants, um, you know, guys guys getting away with with uh, jumping the count basically yeah. as they drop back. And so on, on the on the second on Sportsman like that, that Bosa Bosa got that where he threw the helmet on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Juwan um, Juwan Taylor false started. Mm-hmm. No question about it. He was he was back in when the, before the ball was snapped, and then Bosa rushes and he's holding Bosa, and as he turns Bosa in, Bosa breaks the hold and he gets him by the around the neck and pulls him back. So I understand why Bosa's you know upset and like I said, a, a ticky tack penalty because he's he's basically on the sidelines when he has his tantrum. You know he's a, he's a foot and a half from from the sidelines. So let it go. You know, you're not John Mara. You don't need to keep the, keep these uppity whippersnappers in, in line. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the no, Miami, I... the Miami Buffalo crew, let it go. And the guy took his helmet off in the end zone. Um, you know, I, I, I hate that kind of stuff. You know, call the real penalties. You know, you, you've just missed a blatant hold. You've missed an offside and you're going to make up for it by, by calling, you know, Ticky tack and and that was crucial too because the two point conversion you know made a big difference. It did. You know what um what his coach said about it in the presser afterwards. One of my favorite quotes that we can ask him about Bosa. I think he was frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you see Staley actually picked the helmet up and gave it back to him and he threw it down a second time? <laughs> so he should have penalized him thirty yards. <laughs> but is this we, actually before I ask you about Staley's future? We got to give props to Asante Samuel. What a brilliant individual performance from him oh yeah yeah um you know it, it it's weird that they couldn't put together well it's not that weird actually that they couldn't put together a, a drive for you know that was more than 30 yards long because they didn't have to in the first in the first half um but asante samuel's really good um you know and and kind of like it yeah people question and say can he you know, is he good against the run? So I don't care. You know, he's he's really he is really good. Um, but the other thing that that um, we have to remember is that um, Staley played Mike Williams and he got hurt in week 18. You know, for for what? You know, I'm not sure what the reasoning was behind that. But, you know, um, he makes such a difference to that team when he's in. So okay, you want to play him, but you don't need to win the game. It, you know, it's it's a moot point. He's so easily injured. He just aggravated the back again. You know, yeah. It made no it made no sense. And and you know, on, without on that, Williams, just just before we talk about the impact of his absence, one of the things I think that frustrated it was Daniel Apopper on the Athletic that made this point. I think that it wasn't that he made just that he made the decision, but he didn't communicate, articulate why at all. There was just no. 
he had the opportunity, I guess, to say, well, look, I felt like he needed the game time. You know, I think, you know, we want him to be really hitting his stride. At least he would have given a, he gave some really obscure reason about roster sizing. It was really, really tenuous. And I think that just accentuated the problem, right? That people were like, well, why isn't there a clear, isn't there clear communication on this? Which I guess lends itself to he doesn't really know why he played him at all. Yeah, I, I I agree completely. I don't. I don't I'm not sure clear communication is what he's all about. To be honest, um, you're going to be a head coach, whichever way you cut it. Now you've got to have that. So what was the what was the impact? No Williams on the field meant what for the Chargers? No, no real deep threat. No, you know, no one who defense has to account for deep because Keenan Allen, good as he is, you know, and he had another good game, is is not going to beat you. You know, he 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 will beat a guy deep once or twice a year because they're trying they're they're playing him short, um, and he's he's a really great receiver. But Williams is a deep threat. You know, Williams can just get loped down the fees faster than people think because he's big and he's so big, he wins the 50-50 balls. They don't have anybody else like that on on the roster. You know, Palmer's not, uh, Carter's not. And um, it, it, it hurts them. It hurts them a lot. Uh, and they couldn't run the ball very well, which is something that, that happens occasionally when you're kind of finesse. I'm, uh, Eckler, I probably shouldn't call a finesse runner, but you know, but you don't have a big power back or or a guy that you can bang into their their defense a lot. So so they kind of had to go to the pass, and and um, without Williams, it it's like taking six of the bullets out of your well, five of the bullets out of your gun. Um, yeah. And it, it's a self it's a self inflicted wound. And I just look at that loss to Jacksonville, and I'm not taking away anything from Jacksonville because you know certainly Doug Peterson has proven that you know. He, you talk about communication, you know, he's proven that he can keep, you know, take a team and just concentrate on the positive, accentuate the positive. That's the, that's the word I was looking for, you know, and, and play It's not quite loosey goosey, but the team plays with a certain amount of confidence and, and they're able to overcome mistakes and stuff like that. You know, it's not like when the Eagles beat, when the Eagles beat the Patriots, because the Eagles were the better team in that, in that situation should have been favorites and played from the front most of the game, you know, but, but I remember at, at halftime, just before halftime, when they ran the Philly special and we were up in the booth and they say, Oh, they'll kick the field goal. I said, no, no way in the world. Doug Peterson's going to go for Go for this. He's got a chance to go in at halftime, you know, on, on a high note, but, and, and the momentum guys were, you know, <laughs> no, they'll kick the field. <laughs> no, Doug's a momentum guy, you know, and and uh, and then they they ran the Philly special. And yeah. I like they came out. The, the key play of the game was was that um, short yardage where they came out in the straight T formation, and then ATN went around the on the end. And everybody said, "Why don't teams do this more often?" Well, it helps if you have a guy who's really quick, <laughs> you know, and can get to the corner really quickly. You know, I think on that play, wasn't it? Um... Yeah. But it was a great design, you know. It was a great design, and he has the guy who, who's perfect for executing it. So that, that... yeah, uh, Etienne, I'm glad stepped up because I had said with J Bell, he was my pick for the for this week as a player that might stand out. On the second, he half, did. He had a good game, didn't he? And on the second half, change in fortune for the the Jags. Just talk through the adjustments that Doug Peterson made to to the game plan because obviously Trevor Lawrence was an altogether different. Uh, different operator. Looking at some of the numbers, this is uh, through uh, via True Media. Dropping these stats in the first half, Lawrence was five for fifteen for thirty-five yards and, five, and four interceptions, four picks and a touchdown. That was 
for, for throws in between the numbers. In, in the yeah. So outside the numbers, which of course is what they really heavily lent on in the second half, 10 of 11, 115, three touchdown passes. So that, I guess, is uh, indicative of, of the change in Peterson's game plan. Yeah, and, and I think that they, you know, like I said, I, I thought tight ends were going to be crucial in that game because of, of, of the makeup of the receiving core and the, the defense. And they had to go they had to go a bit more to the outside because they're down, obviously. But they didn't actually panic in the second half, you know, the, the last touchdown at the, in the first half, the first, their first touchdown, but the last play of the, uh, you know, the last uh, score of the half sort of put them in on a, on a high note and ATN, they ran ATN still, um, which was important, you know, to, to keep thing, to keep things honest. And he was running, he's running really well. Um, but they had, they had to switch to the outside. I think that's just a simple, good, good point, you know, and, and stretch that thing out. And that opened up plays in the middle, um, which they, which they then took advantage of. Um, and, and I think that, that combination of things made that, made it work much better. In fairness, you know, Lawrence's four picks aren't all down to on Lawrence, you know, um, one's deflected at the line, um, one's kind of wrestled out of the receiver's hands you know it, it, it's not that he was throwing wild and crazy and didn't see guys um it was just a couple of them at least it was just one of those things that happens you know they are heading to arrowhead of course to face the chiefs in the divisional round and they are eight and a half point dogs on the road sounds about right sounds about right yeah um it's funny because I don't. I haven't seen anybody yet, and I'm sure they will. But when they wake up this morning, because I did <laughs> when I woke up this morning. But you know, it's Andy Reid against Doug Peterson, um, the the master, the and uh, the, the apprentice. Or, you know, um, and I, I will, it'll be very interesting to see how that how that goes, um, because obviously they'll know they'll know what they what they're doing. And I think Jacksonville's defense, strangely enough, is fairly well equipped to deal with what Kansas city want to do. Um, and again, Kansas city will tend to rely on the tight end. Um, you know, um, the Chargers got a lot of mileage out of Everett, you know, and, and um, which is unusual, I, I think. Um, but, but Kelsey's an, another story. So yeah, I, I kind of will, will, I think I will like the Chargers in that one. Uh, the chiefs in that one, the chiefs. Yeah. I won't like the Chargers in that one. Boy, it's early. It's early in the morning, <laughs> especially when you've been up watching Super Wild Card Sunday night. One one other thing, if I can just bump back to the early, the first game, the the, the Niners Seattle again. Just going back, what I wrote in my column was, you know, Seattle's chance in this game is that the Niners' deep ball defense is not great, and they're a deep ball team. You know, DK and and Lock and, and DK basically had a a really good game. They they didn't try to take him out of the game, but they did, you know, they they played man coverage, it looked like an awful lot, and were able to take Lockett out as a deep threat uh, pretty easily. So they basically were, you know, DK was going to get his stuff, and he got two touchdowns, but, you know, otherwise it was, it was kind of like what impressed me the most in that game was um, – Purdy, I didn't think had a great game, but he was still heady and he got to his options, which is why Elijah Mitchell had two touchdown catches. Um, which who would have thought, you know? They Mitchell Mitchell, they thought, oh, he's in, he's gonna run. Mitchell gets the two touchdown catches. That that to me was kind of the difference in the game. 
Sorry, sorry, gang. I think my mic went a bit there. We'll uh, we'll get Propo to sort his, but he needs to pull some kind of shifts because he hasn't turned up for this particular record. Let's move on, Mike. Let's move on to the Bengals-Ravens. Lamar, well, it's not an understatement to say he was sorely missed, wasn't he? You know, I feel sorry for Huntley because he really did play a good game. You know, he, he was playing his heart out, basically. Um, and it, it, the, it, you know, he reached his limit when... They they had to they had to kind of move quickly to score toward the end of the game, you know, and then then they they have to become a little more one dimensional because they basically were playing big boy football for most of the um, most of the game, you know, running, pounding hard with Gus and, and Dobbins um, against the Bengals. And and uh, when Jonah Williams went out, then all of a sudden it was back to the same old, you know, can Joe Burrow beat you while he's lying on his back, looking up at the sky? Um, and the answer to that is probably no. Um, but um, I, and I think that's going to bode badly for the Bengals. Um, you know, if, if that offensive line is, has suffered another, another loss uh, of a player, but you have to love the way that, you know, Huntley going for the stretch. What is he, He's not six foot four. <laughs> He's, and, and he was, and literally, I mean, you know, he, he missed, he didn't reach, reach the uh, plane as we call it um, by about a foot, you know, and, and, and Logan Wilson spikes the ball and, and Hubbard picks up. And I think my favorite play of the weekend might've been Mark Andrews trying to catch Hubbard. It reminded me a little bit of Ben Watson trying to catch Champ Bailey. If you remember Watson on that 100-yard interception, Watson is on the other side of the field, and he takes a perfect angle and cuts Bailey off at about the three-yard line, and Bailey fumbles out of bounds. Uh, no, fumbles through the end zone, and they they called it out of bounds before the pylon so that the Broncos could score, but it actually should have been a touchback. But Andrews literally nearly caught him and and while he was kind of fighting his way through two blockers, yeah, you know, he was he was catching up, and the guys behind the the escort behind Hubbard, he was literally clawing his way past them, and it was the most fascinating moment of that of that play. Could he do it? You know, could he ruin Sam Hubbard's t- touchdown? A couple of things I want to get into before we get out of Dodge. Geno Smith says he expects to return to Seattle. They'll find the right number for him, won't they? They'll get the deal done. I would have thought so. Um, and it's interesting because the second half of the season probably took Gino's huge free agent payday off the table. Um, I don't think anyone's going to go out and spend huge money to get him. But I think by the same token, Seattle has um, he's fit their system well enough so that they would be a, you know they would be strained to get somebody as good or well somebody better without paying the huge money. And so I think they'd be better off improving the team around him um, and thinking that if they do, they can go farther than than the wild card round in the playoffs, you know. And they've got the fifth pick in the in the draft as well, that courtesy of the uh, the Broncos season. So uh, it's a happy days for Seattle. Happy days, it seems, you'd think. Everyone would want this for the Rams because there's speculation about McVay heading to the broadcast booth Done now he said he's definitely coming back he is excited he says to well, that's, return that, i mean that's good i mean it has to be good for the rams it, it is going to be a challenge there was aaron donald had a tweet 
or I, I guess he changed his Twitter handle or his Instagram handle or something. Mm. Um, and it said X NFL defensive lineman. Mm. Um, and somebody somebody posted that yesterday. Um, yeah. I, I'd find that hard to believe, but you know, it it may be that he just doesn't want to go go through um, go through that again the same way. I think I think McVeigh may have watched the Amazon Thursday night games and decided that that was worse than coaching a, <laughs> a, a, re, a rebuilding team in sa- in, in salary cap hell. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I'll tell you, Al Michaels and Tony. Um, Actually, I should say Tony Dungy and Al because I know mm. Al and I, I've only met Tony once. And mm. he's a he's a really nice guy and he was really impressive. We had a, we had a long talk at, at one of the Super Bowls, and um, but God, that was that was a dry commentary. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Al was doing his best, wasn't he? And yeah, yeah. it um, he's had a tough season out because he is one of the one of the greats, of course. But he needs to be back where he belongs. Getting back on Sunday night in Sunday night football. Um, Mike, what are you writing about this week? Um, I suppose <laughs> the playoff weekend, I, I will try to avoid, um, in particular, uh, what are you writing uh, I will try to avoid a, uh, a, uh, refer- referee rant. Um, fortunately there's no more college football to use up <laughs> 2,000, <laughs> oh, 3,000, okay. 3,000 words on. Um, although I talked to my friends from South Dakota and we're still over the moon at South Dakota state's winning of the national championship. And um, biggest game of the weekend. Yeah. And I think, you know, the the upcoming slate ought, ought to be pretty interesting. Um, and of course, tonight's Dallas Tampa game ought to be pretty interesting, too. Um, be, and it's funny because the only way to look at it is like whose negatives are going to be less harmful to them than, mm. than the other teams. You know, Tampa can't run the ball. Um, they've been very predictable most of the season until Michael Evans came. Mike Evans came back mm. and um, call it Michael know, if you want. Sorry, yeah, and, and Brady and he and Brady, you know, connected. Uh, but Dallas will be will kind of be aware of that. Jerry Jones, the Dallas mm. coach, your favorite, um, doesn't, doesn't doesn't know who Chris Godwin is apparently. What um, I didn't see that. Did someone what? asked him in an interview about it, and he said, "You know, well, we have to keep. You know, we have to be aware of where he is because he creates a lot of turnovers. You know, we don't want to." <laughs> Classic. Well, maybe maybe he has been dropped. Have you been dropped? Yeah. And, um, you know, and Dallas Dak has been, you know, Dak's thrown 15 interceptions. He's got four fumbles. He's thrown an interception in every one of the last 11 games or something like that. He, he, you know, and, and not, not for throwing, you know, not for like throwing into bad situations as much as just throwing bad balls. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 And so the Dallas defense hasn't been as great in the last few few weeks either. Um, so who are you on? Are you on the Bucks? I'm probably on the Bucks. We're getting points at home, so you know I was probably on the uh, uh, probably on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I mean Dallas is the better team. Um, but you're playing the numbers. There, shout out to everybody I, listening to us. I, from I, Tuesday I would suggest on Wolves, go. I was going to suggest going <laughs> under. Dallas win by 25 points. Yeah, I was going to suggest going under on it, but I see, I took it. I took the under in Minnesota the oh, Giants. You love that, this. You love that this didn't fight. work. And and I mean every game um, except Cincinnati Baltimore went over um, in in this one, and I I kind of thought Cincinnati so, Baltimore w- would go over, so I did avoided saying that. This is is perfect symmetry. We'll wrap on this. So Propo and I, he had under 42 as his Drew Locke of the week. For which team? For the Bengals. Oh, well done. Well done. But this gets better. 
at game time, it, the line had dropped to 40, so I took the over. So we both won. <laughs> That's not bad at all. Not that bad at all. That. See, I got greedy and I took the Minnesota Giants because it was the highest over under. Um, and I just thought, you know, they'll, they'll be low. It'll, it won't be a shootout, you know, yeah. given, given Cousins in. And, um, what did they score? 55? Yeah, shootout 55. Yeah. yeah. So it was. <laughs> the other three games went over 60. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. All the other remember, stadium, right? Yeah. Remember three years ago when they were saying every game was going to be over seventy points because because we had that run of you know Kansas City and, was, and, yeah, and the, the, the Rams Mexico, yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, and and then the Super Bowl that year was thirteen to three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One for the purists. Uh, has that? Let's wrap on this. Has that changed your perspective? Because you've been critical <gasps> of the Super Rufus certainly feels it has uh, the Super Wildcard Weekend and the expansion of the playoffs and. Given the fact that even the Seattle-San Francisco game was competitive for much of it, have you changed your tune at all that the seventh wildcard team was unnecessary? Yeah. No, I haven't changed you it haven't at changed all. haven't changed it at all. No. Okay. No. I mean, I, I think partly because... And I, and you have the anomaly now of the Buffalo Cincinnati game, which is going to be in Buffalo. But mm-hmm. you know, if if the Kansas City Buffalo game was going to be on a neutral site, I'm not sure why this one shouldn't be either, because you know Buffalo's a full game ahead of them in the in the schedule. But mm-hmm. but um, the um, but Cincinnati could have beaten them in that non. You know that non-played, the unplayed game. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I, I get what the NFL is saying. It's not a half-game margin like mm. like the other one would be, so they're not going to reward it. Mm-hmm. But but you know, but Cincinnati lost the chance to to pull even um, mm. in record with Buffalo and that. So I'm a little surprised that's not a neutral site, but not not hugely surprised. I I, I miss you know not getting more two teams. Strangely enough, because I used to complain about it because it gave the the teams with the bye week a big advantage, bye week and home uh, field in the mm. in the divisional round. But only one team getting the bye somehow seems to me uh, you know, a, a little unfair. It should be more or none. You know, mm-hmm. um, let everybody play on a on a level playing field, and and um, but you can't do that with seven teams in the playoffs. It's going to mm-hmm. be an even even number of teams. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. Uh, Mike at Carlson Sports is how you follow the big man on Twitter. The Patreon aforementioned Patreon column. Aforementioned. Uh, there we go. How about that for a Monday morning? Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE. Go get involved with that. That was an order. That was a direct. That was an edict. Go get involved with that. <laughs> Subscribe to that. That's how I'm going to wrap. That's the kind of mood I'm going to be in this week as we head to the divisional round. I'm Mike. Brilliant stuff. Look after yourself, bud. Oh, thank you. And I guess I'll have to subscribe to my Patreon feed now. That'll probably help. Fun show. Although hey, I, I tend to know what, what I'm going to be writing about. Does Rufus subscribe to it? No, nah, he just barks at me while I write. <laughs> he's going to drink not that. Not that crap. Not cut. that crap again. <laughs> <laughs> why Why won't you give Brendan, why don't you give Robert Sala any credit? <laughs> <laughs> As the officiating, the 55,000 words about officiating commences Rufus. <laughs> Mike, Mike LaFleur should be the next head coach in Houston. <laughs> you, Matt LaFleur should hire him as offensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. The, the yeah, Mike there hasn't Rufus been show. a good LaFleur since Guy LaFleur. <laughs> Maybe we can get Rufus involved with your your um, show with Antonio Brown. I think Rufus deserves a spot on there. Well, when Antonio Brown comes in and says, yo, dog, <laughs> Rufus will feel right at home. Lovely. Take care, bros. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.